Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast, or should I say the mid-season episode of the Blitz Podcast. Yes, that's where we are for fantasy purposes. We are at the halfway point. Harley, can you believe that we're that far? Well, you know, some people like to think that their glass is halfway full. Some people like to think their glass is halfway empty. I like to say, where the hell is the rest of my beer? (laughs) I'll tell you the people that are saying their glass is half full. Are the guys that are you know sitting pretty four and two five and one six and zero? Oh. You know who's got the half half, half empty glasses, right? Uh, whoever drafted David Johnson first overall. No, that is not true, and I'm not going to talk about it because I'm not going to jinx myself. But no, it's those people that have the zero and six and one and five and two and four type records. They're the ones exactly. that have it half full. So anyway, um, we kind of debated about what are we going to talk about tonight. Lots of stuff going on. We're not really going to talk about it, but I think we have to say, man, what a blow for fantasy football and football in general with Aaron Rodgers going out with that broken collarbone. All I can say is ouch. Yeah, and it's the throwing shoulder too. Now, you being a Minnesota fan and Minnesota native, um, how's the buzz up there? I mean, I know that there's people that say they thought that it was in a non-needed you know, takedown, etc. Well, I've watched the footage several times, and – Realistically, uh, Anthony Barr was already in motion, making his dive for the tackle uh, when the ball was released. Uh, You can say whether or not he needed to continue forward, but there really wouldn't have been a way for him to not land forward on top of Rodgers without potentially injuring himself anyway. So uh, to call it a dirty play uh, is very, very wrong. Barr has never received an unsportsmanlike penalty at any level, high school, college, or in the pros. And, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about a little bit of, like, negative karma, Barr ended up leaving the game with an injury of his own later in the game, so. Right. Um, Here's what I'll I'll get on my soapbox for about 35 seconds, 40 seconds here. I despise slow motion because of what it does and makes people's perception of plays. These plays happen in a fraction of a second. These guys are moving 230, 40, 50, 80, 320 pounds at full speed, expecting them to be able to avoid or stop a movement, etc., it's just ludicrous. And I also hate it even when they, they show a replay and they show the hole that the running back missed, mm-hmm. you know, in super slow motion. Yes, there it is. Look at it. Lake Michigan. It's dry. It's open. You can drive 30 tractor trailers through it. But guess what? It was a microsecond that he had to make the decision, go right, go left, go straight. So I just I despise it from those levels. 
I like it from a teaching standpoint, but as a what's the word I want to use? Um, you know, as a fan, well, as a <laughs> no. fan, but no, looking at it from a you know <clears throat> just revisionist type you know perspective, I don't like it in that aspect. I just don't. Well, we also have to remember uh, as analysts, we have uh, an opportunity to look at the all twenty-two. We we actually get to see the overhead view of the, all the players on the field when you're actually in motion. Your tunnel vision is still on what your job, what your role is on the field, and you're thinking about that. You're not thinking about what's going on on either side of you. So, again, peripheral vision is 2020, I guess you could say. Well, and you know that's a lot of it. The game is, it's vision and instinct, and it's when they say it's a game of inches, it truly is a game of inches, and slowing it down and using super slow mo, in my mind, does a disservice to the players that have just such phenomenal, you know, talent and expecting a defender to try and change his trajectory, et cetera, in a moment's notice is just something I think that's unfair and unreasonable. So that's my soapbox with that. Everyone has a right to their soapbox, Steve. I've got one more I can get on. We didn't even talk about this. Um, I don't know who owns CJ Anderson. I don't, I don't even know if I was playing against him in any leagues because I don't check my scores till after Monday night most times. Um, but that was a touchdown. Yes, that was a touchdown, and it cost me one of my uh, redraft league uh, games this week, so I'm a little bit bitter about that. That was most definitely a touchdown. Not only was it a touchdown, I was watching it from my bedroom where I've got a smaller TV, not a big TV, and I've got a damn Fios remote, which, of course, if anybody has Fios, they understand how hard it is to pause and move forward just a frame or two. I'm able to, fr- to freeze it, get multiple pictures that shows his armpit, CJ's armpit that has the ball in it, is across the goal line. And then in another frame, actually see a sliver of the ball that's across the goal line. How the hell can the NFL, with all their gizmos, and you know they can go frame by frame. There's no doubt in my mind that they have those types of clickers where they can go frame by frame. How they screw up a call like that, it's just beyond me. Well, looking at it again on the screen when they did show the slow motion replays, uh, it was pretty clear that his body had crossed over the line. In fact, the the person who had wrapped him up was actually bent over at the waist. Yeah. And Anderson was bent over the top of him. So you, unless Anderson had the ball below his belly button, every part of Anderson from the top of his belly to the top of his head was across the line on top of the other guy. Yeah. So just, unless he had the ball below his belly button, it was a touchdown. And, and I don't care what anybody says. Well, you can't see the ball. No, you you can see the ball because you know it's in his damn arm. When his arm exactly. comes back out, you have to be able to put two and two together and say, that means the ball was here, not there. I don't care that I can't see it. And then you stitch them both together from both angles. I just, it just it perplexes me. It really does. But, well, you know, I think we're going to find out some more about some of these crazy calls in the news today. Well, then, you know what? That's a perfect segue. I'll get off my soapbox <coughs> and everybody else. You know what we're going to do? We're going to send it over to Harley for this week's BPN News. Thank you, Steve. Much to the delight of several fantasy sports prognosticators, Austin Safarian Jenkins scored two touchdowns this week. Unfortunately, for those of us that vouched for ASJ, the second touchdown was disallowed after an on-field conference between the officials, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady. 
Following a big hit from the Vikings' Anthony Barr, Aaron Rodgers sustained a fractured collarbone on his throwing shoulder. This likely will end his season. Before the cart could even get Rodgers back to the locker room, the broadcast team was already speculating on whether Brett Favre, Tony Romo, or Colin Kaepernick would take over at quarterback for the Packers. Favre immediately came out and said that he was not coming back. Kaepernick's agent implied that he won't be eligible to come back as long as his grievance against the NFL progresses. And finally, Jim Nance kidnapped Tony Romo so he could not accept the offer. <laughs> Adrian Peterson had a remarkable first game with his new team, the Arizona Cardinals, finishing with 134 yards and two touchdowns. Following the game, Adrian went out to an early dinner with teammates Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, and Phil Dawson. They left the restaurant early, however, when they were told that the senior discount ended at 6 p.m. It worked out for the best anyways, because these four would have had to scarf down their food in time to make it to their bingo game, which was scheduled to start at 7.30. <laughs> Prior to leaving Sunday's game with what looked to be a serious ankle injury, Leonard Fournette became the third running back ever to score in his first six games. Fournette was absent for the Jags' last couple series, but following the game, he said that he was okay. That is good news as far as injuries go. What is scary, however, is that now Fournette will be linked with Carlos Williams and Robert Edwards, the other two backs who scored in their first six career games. The scary part about this? Williams and Edwards combined to score a total of seven additional touchdowns between their two brief careers. <laughs> and finally, after not being targeted in the second half of his game Sunday, Martavis Bryant has demanded a trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers. In addition to his lack of activity in the passing game, Bryant said that he was most disappointed that Antonio Brown did not invite him to join in on doing the Charleston. This has been your BPN News Update. <laughs> I hate that commercial. We all do. But speaking... Oh, the bad prom dance one is worse, though. There, well, I mean, I hate that series of commercials, I should say. Um, anyway, talking about Martavis, that kind of takes me into something that I thought that we could do for a little bit of fun. Instead of going into DFS, don't worry, people. Stay tuned. We'll get to DFS in a little bit. Um, how about we do a little segment that we'll call Cut Bait or Wait? Sounds good. So, Martavis evidently asked for a trade. No, he didn't ask for a trade. Yes, he asked for a trade. Who knows what the truth is? Ben Roethlisberger, one week he's horrible. The next week he's bad. The next week, I'm not, I'm not even going to say he's good because he still should have. Honestly, they, I want to say they got lucky with their win because it's a game of inches. But how does that game change if that ball winds up as an interception instead of a catch and touchdown by Antonio Brown? Well, that catch was absurd. Uh Realistically, uh, even if after he caught it, someone should have tackled him. The fact that he was able to catch the ball, break away, score the touchdown, win the game. I mean, again, Pittsburgh doesn't win if that catch isn't made, I, I, I truly believe. Yeah, I, and I, I kind of agree with you. So that's where it's a game of inches. Roethlisberger looks like a hero because of what Antonio Brown does. But if it's an interception, then what we're talking about him being another goat, but not that kind of goat. Um, 
anyway, Martavis Bryant has not done much. Um, is he a cut bait or wait? Well, I think uh, if this talk is true that he is looking for a trade, then you really do have to wait because if he ends up being traded into a better situation where he gets a chance to be a number one or at least a more productive number two, then he definitely have value, especially considering where you drafted him. Now, if he isn't traded by the trade deadline, then, yeah, I think you can go ahead and cut him. What if he winds up in Jacksonville? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what is... Let's hope that Eli joins him there then, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, tell you, here's another guy, not nearly as high profile. We'll throw one out that's probably a little easier to cut bait if you really feel that way on him, but he just missed a wide open, eh, semi difficult, but decent to make catch shot in Monday Night Football. Dante Moncrief. Well, you know. I really had good hopes for Dante Moncrief having a decent season this year. I didn't think that luck would miss all this time. I thought that uh, obviously they didn't put him on the pup list, so they felt he was going to be playing sooner rather than later. Well, here's the point. It's later now already. So luck still isn't ready to go. You can see him on the sidelines right now uh, with his earpiece in, but uh, obviously he's not dressed to play. He's not even the backup right now. So probably another two to three weeks minimum for him. And Minecraft just really doesn't have any value right now with uh, Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, who, despite this missed touchdown tonight, hasn't really looked his way. So I think it's safe to go ahead and cut Minecraft. Maybe watch the wire for when Luck's going to come back and pick him up one week before Luck comes back. Okay. I think that's fair, and I, 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 all points being fair, quite honestly. Um, I'm a Moncrief apologist, I guess you would say. Can't quit him. But, yeah, at this point, the way buys are, et cetera, if you need to cut him, I can see cutting him. Um, his only hope is that when luck gets back, and right now that's still so up in the air, who knows? I wouldn't rule out them not bringing him back at all, possibly, depending on how they you know, go over the next couple of weeks with their schedule-wise. So, okay, we'll go to a little more difficult one. Let's go to Amari Cooper. Wow. Uh, he was a consensus breakout candidate among most uh, fantasy prognosticators coming into this season, uh, especially with uh, the way he and Derek Carr connected near the end of last year. Now, certainly uh, last week's numbers were a little weighted down by the fact that it wasn't Carr throwing him the ball. And he did get targeted six times this week. So he is. I, I feel like he's still getting targeted. It just seems like the passes are all either – hitting him in the hands and he's dropping him or this going just a little too far, a little too high. And it, it seems weird to consider cutting him because it's still a good offense and you figure things are going to turn around there. So I'm going to keep him, uh, and just hope that, uh, basically variance plays out and he finally comes back to where he should be. Here's why I keep him too. And I don't cut bait. Everybody's more than likely dealing with leagues where you have flex plays, right? Well, what do you want from your flex play when you're putting somebody in that spot? You're not looking for safe, solid production usually. You're looking for upside. Or you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to take lottery tickets to put in those spots in your, on your roster or on your bench, knowing that hopefully it'll hit, then you get, you, you've got a great upside. Well, guess what? That's what Cooper is right now. You can't rely on him as that wide receiver one, two, or three, but if you still have room on that bench to keep him, to utilize him as a flex play, I don't think you can ask for much better other than what you're getting from him. But you know what I mean when I'm saying from the upside ability part of it. So I can't cut bait with him, and that's probably because I can't quit him. So (laughs) 
So now, instead of going to, this is actually a good, good transition. We didn't even try this on purpose. It's just working that way. Um, I'm going to give two wide receivers, and then I've got on the same team a tight end that will transition us to tight end. But before I talk about any of the three of those, I'm going to talk about the quarterback. But I'm not asking if you should cut bait on the quarterback. This is more for context. Kirk Cousins, right now, barring whatever happens on Monday Night Football, which I don't think Marcus Mariota or Jacoby Brissett can unseat him, he's the 10th highest scoring quarterback in the league. That means he's a starter in 10-team leagues. It means he's a starter in 12-team leagues. How is it that we are going to talk about cutting bait or waiting on Jamison Crowder, Terrell Pryor, and Jordan Reed? Go wide receivers first. Well, I'll give you four words. Ryan Grant, Josh Doxund. I mean, come on. Talk about like going into the season with like uh, uh, the, the phenomenon of that helps no one. That's really what's been the case in, <laughs> in the Washington offense right now is uh, touchdowns are being gotten. They're being thrown by Cousins. They're just going to like some Doxund and Grant, Chris Thompson, um, Vernon Davis. All, all, all these other guys are catching their touchdowns. So, again, sooner or later, I think variance is just going to lead them to an opportunity for Terrell Pryor and, uh, and Jamerson Crowder to be more involved. In fact, last week before the game, they even said they intended to get Crowder more yeah. involved. Uh, it didn't really happen, but <laughs> they at least gave uh, mouth speak to it. So perhaps in the future they're, they're coming around. I, I think that you're holding on to Pryor just because he is still the number one receiver there. Uh, if you are in need of a spot, you can probably go ahead and cut Crowder until he actually shows something on the field. See, and Crowder had, he only had five targets this past week. So did Pryor. Doxon had three. Nobody had more than five targets on the entire team. They are spreading that ball, or at least the targets, around. Um, the tight end position had nine targets, five to Reed, four to Davis. You know, you combine their lines, and you're looking at 90, 102 yards with um, no touchdowns. But it, I think Jordan Reed might have scored on that catch that Davis had the long one, honestly. Um, so yeah, you look slow on that. You looked really slow on that. I'll tell you, of the three, the one that concerns me the most is probably Pryor because I think that he and Doxton kind of serve the same role. Crowder has not done anything, and yeah, I'm a little concerned about Grant and and stuff like that. But he kind of fits the role of if they really do want to get him involved and you can put him into that flex spot, he's going to be having the volume in his favor where. Pryor is going to be looking for more of those big plays. So I probably would still wait on Crowder. If you really got into a dire straits and you had to cut somebody at wide receiver because your bench is thin, I would, I'd consider cutting Pryor, quite honestly. And Jordan Reed, with how trashy outside of Ertz and Gronk the tight end position is, I don't see how you can cut him. I think you just have to wait on him because even if he was scoring negative points, he's not that far behind the rest of the pack at tight end. Well, I'll put this out there for Reed. I, I'm not cutting Reed, but there's a reason I'm not cutting Reed. It's because I refuse to roster Reed. Oh, okay. Well, I have him, <clears> and I'm not going to cut him. Um, and I'll play matchups if I have to, because I think he's not healthy right now. What you have to hope is, with guys like that, that if you're not going to cut bait and you can stash them, you're hoping that they get healthy by the time your playoffs run around. Because if that happens, then it puts you in a really strong position. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. Here's a guy that, I believe is going to be an easy cut, but I'll throw it out there. Eric freaking Ebron. Um, yeah, I cut him after one week this year. Uh, Ebron 
isn't even the first best, possibly not even the second best tight end on his own team right now. So I, I really want nothing to do with him. Uh, Stafford looks to be a bit of a mess. <coughs> and the offensive line right now in Detroit's got some problems with it too. They're allowing a lot of sacks of, of Stafford. So worst case scenario, Ebron continues to play and he stays in the block. Best case scenario, Ebron continues to play and he's still not even the primary target or the secondary target or the third target or the fourth target. You're looking at the fifth target on that offense. Uh, you can do a lot better at tight end. Just I mean, You can pick off someone off the waiver wire each week and start him and feel more confident in it than, than that Ebron. So here's what I'll tell you I would do. Because I do. I think he's, he's definitely cuttable. Um, with Golden Tate being out, I would hold him for another week in hopes that maybe he has to get targeted a little bit more because they're thinner at receiver now. And if he has that big week this week or next week, if you can hold him for two weeks, then you then flip him. Try to flip him. I don't think you'll get anything but pennies on the dollar at any point for you, Brown, right now. Yeah, but taking pennies on the dollar is better than paying to get rid of him. That's true. Okay, let's move to running back. Um, let's go to a guy that's playing tonight. So far, what has he done? Let's take a look here because we're in the middle of the second quarter, actually the early part of the second quarter, and DeMarco Murray, five runs, 15 yards. Well, that sounds like pretty much his line for most of the season so far. A lot of three yards uh, and a cloud of dust, which is not the DeMarco Murray we've come to expect over the last couple of years. He's been less involved in the game. And now uh, there was something that came out this weekend that the team plans to get Derrick Henry more involved in the offense going forward. So Four carries, six I, yards. I have to assume that that means if Murray if Murray's going to give up some of those touches to Henry, or more so than he already has, that and Henry has got potential and upside. Murray is basically playing out his contract right now. Well, here's I'm not I'm not cutting Murray by any means, but okay. uh, so that's we're uh, not going to cut him. We're going to wait. Yeah. And here's the thing: just because it's running back, if a running back has a heartbeat right now, I don't know that you can cut him. That's how you know, thin that position is. So I'm with you. He's not a guy that you can be happy about right now, but if you own him, you have to start him. And by not being happy about a guy, that'll take us to our next one. What about Jay Ajayi? Well, I, again, I'm one of those guys who, I mean, Ajayi was a first-round pick in most drafts this year. Uh, so you, you picked him up as your number one. You probably got him late in the first round, so there's a decent likelihood that you may have gotten a second running back at running back to, at your second round pick. Uh, so hopefully that second running back has performed well for you because Ajayi has done pretty much nothing for you. And I mean, last week was another example of a game he should have done good in, and he really didn't. Uh, it was okay. It just wasn't great. And I, you're not you're not cutting him, but in the same boat as Murray, I think. Neither Murray nor Ajayi should be starting in 10-team leagues right now, and they're both borderline starters in 12-team leagues. Uh, anything larger than a 12-team league, obviously, uh, they're starting. But, uh, again, if you're in a 10-team league, both those guys should be on your bench and flex at best. Okay, let me ask you a couple quick questions. Frank Gore, cut or wait? I, I would nope. cut him at this point. Okay. Uh, yep, and I just want I want the answer. Cut or wait? No, you don't get to talk about it. Ready? Yeah. Um, Blow pal. Wait. Oh, Andre Ellington. Wait in PPR. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, you're killing me here. You're supposed to say cut on these guys. Um, Mike Gillisley. Cut. Okay. That's a painful one. Every, <laughs> every one of those guys I just mentioned are above Jay Ajayi in season Ooh. points. You know, who else, you know who else is above Jay Ajayi in season points? Dalvin Cook. A couple Cook. of quarterbacks. Dalvin Cook. He hasn't even played in two weeks. Yep. So, and Bilal Powell's got a week missed in there, as does Frank Gore. So I get that, but you know what? I just I can't cut him either. You just have to live with it at this point. You know, I'm actually, if, if I'm an Ajayi owner, I'm hoping the team cuts or benches Cutler. I think that might actually help Ajayi's value more so than yeah. just other wholesale changes there. Keep hoping for the, the offensive click, and that's, I don't know. It's just, it's bad. Okay, one last one. This one should be an easy one because this guy's injured. David Johnson. You know, I, I, I cut him in, in season le- single season leagues just because yeah, and that's what even if he about. comes back, he's not going to come back till near Christmas. And by that point, you're into your probably your second round of your fantasy playoffs already. So, yeah, not worth having. Adrian Peterson looked like a stud last week. No reason for them to hurry back Johnson anymore. I'm going to tell you that I wait if. If I've got an IR I can put him on, I wait well, yeah. in case he comes yeah. back. If I've got a deep enough bench that I can put him down there and leave him on a bench and I don't have issues with injuries and buys, you wait. Just because there's been little to no news. Granted, the acquisition of Adrian Peterson makes them not have to rush as long as AP stays healthy himself and produces. Um, but if Johnson does come back, it's going to be in that fantasy playoff round area, right? And mm-hmm. think about the boon that that could be if you got him back because you were able to stash him. If you can't because you have to get wins now and you need to go ahead and get guys off the waiver, wire, do it. But if you can afford to stash him IR or on the bench, I don't see anything wrong with doing that based on the upside he can give you, even if he only played two or three weeks. Good argument there. I, I definitely think in an IR situation you're keeping him. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't like wasting a spot on someone on your bench if, uh, if the likelihood of them playing significant staffs the rest of the season is minimal. Gotcha. All right, so that was only supposed to take a few minutes, and we're almost to a half hour. So we'll still go in and do our DFS stuff like I said we'll do. So we'll jump right into it. What do you say? High-speed DFS. I like that. High-speed DFS. Okay, I hate all the quarterback plays this week. Um, who are you paying up for a quarterback? Uh, I'm going to go with Matty Ryan only on FanDuel. Uh, every quarterback to face New England has thrown for more than 300 yards, and only one of six quarterbacks has not thrown for multiple touchdowns against New England. So easy pay up on FanDuel. I like that play, but I didn't go that route because he wasn't on both DraftKings and FanDuel. So I'm going to pay up for Dak. It's on the road. It's in San Francisco. Only because I really don't like much of anything else at the quarterback position this week. I hear you there. I'm staying away from Cam Newton at Chicago. Chicago has allowed one or fewer passing touchdowns in five of their six games. And Matt Ryan is the only quarterback to top 235 yards passing against them. I'm staying away from Drew Brees on the road in Green Bay, which you would think, oh, this could be a shootout. But the no Aaron Rodgers ripple effect, I think, makes the Packers run the ball more. So therefore, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Lower scoring game means I think that also the Saints, with their rushing attack now, two-headed monster instead of three. I believe you see a lot of Kamara and Ingram. Just lessens his opportunities. And again, it's on the road. And Brees does not do the best 
out in the elements like you can see in Green Bay. So I just don't see paying up for that price tag. I, I can see that. My only concern there is that Green Bay still will probably be without their top three cornerbacks. Uh, that could potentially open up a lot of it mismatches could. with Thomas Ginn and uh, and Cooper there, uh, Cooper uh, Coleman in their uh, wide receiver core. I need Coleman to do something because he's my wide receiver. Two in the league due to injuries, so that tells you where I'm at. But go for it. Who you okay? Uh, my value play this week is meant. someone that I'm sure you're going to cheer for, and that's C.J. Beathard versus Dallas. Uh, Beathard looked fairly competent in relief of Brian Hoyer last week against a shorthanded Washington defense. Well, this week he gets to face another shorthanded defense in Dallas' secondary. Uh, they've allowed multiple passing touchdowns in each of their last four games. You know what? He's going to get a full week of snaps as the number one guy. He's already been named the starter. So I, I want to see what this kid can do. And I'm going to say ditto. That's all I'm going to say. That's, that's, why, that's why I pegged. Um, he's priced, but I'll just say this. This is funny as hell. He's priced more than Joe Flacco and Jay Cutler. I mean, that's just... I think he's going to perform better than Joe Flacco and Jay Cutler uh, this week. So I do too, but it's just... <laughs> and Mitchell Trubisky and Blake Bortles and Eli Manning and, oh, and Brian Hoyer. How about that? Um, yeah, so it's just, it's kind of, it's funny. But, okay. Running back, who are you paying up for? Uh, pay up for the guy you were talking about a little bit there, Mark Ingram versus Green Bay, or at Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is allowing 135 combo yards per game to opposing backs, seven running back touchdowns over the first six weeks. Uh, Ingram actually out-touched Kamara 30-14 to 14 this first week uh, AP's been gone. So, two to one uh, out-touches for Ingram to Kamara. So, Ditto again. That's why I had down as my play. I, I looked at a couple different, you know, spots. I, I just I know Le'Veon Bell was you know Superman again. I just couldn't get on it against Cincinnati, even though it is in Pittsburgh. But I'm going to pay up for Ingram also. Who are you avoiding? Jordan Howard versus Carolina. Carolina is allowing only 66 running back rushing yards per game, and most of the damage against Carolina has come from opposing pass catching backs. Now, in the case of Chicago, they use Tariq Cohen in that role, so. I just don't see there's a lot of output for uh, Howard, and I think that Carolina's probably going to get ahead early, and they'll be playing from behind in this game. Uh, Chicago will be playing from behind in this game. So not a lot of role for Jordan Howard game script-wise either. So the guy I'm going to be pl- not, not, playing, not paying up for that I'm avoiding, probably a little bit of a punt and a cop-out, but Leonard Fournette. I'm, just, I'm still concerned about the injury more than anything else. It's on the road. It's in Indy. Okay, so uh, Indy's not that great on defense. Um, I just... For that price, I want to know that my guy's healthy, 100% ready to be a horse. I just don't know. Okay, uh, for a cheap play this week, I'm going to take a guy that I recommended on Twitter this past weekend as a cheap play for this week, and that was Adrian Peterson. Well, he played pretty good last week, didn't he? This week he gets to take on the Rams. The Rams are allowing 122 yards per game on the ground to opposing running backs, and only once all year have they not allowed a running back rushing touchdown. So the guy that I like, and he's probably going to be in timeshare, um, don't really know how much, but I do think that they're going to lean on their backs a lot more now. With that Aaron Rodgers injury again, I like Aaron Jones this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely like that play this week. At home against New Orleans, I really do. So I think that, again, if it's a two-back timeshare, it's not a timeshare for fantasy purposes. You want to stay away from that three-back stuff. Um, and this is just going to be Ty and Aaron, and with Ty's injury history, Jones is a safer play, I think. What you saw in the last couple of weeks is that New Orleans' past secondary, which was much maligned the first two weeks, 
has started to gel. They've gotten much better over the last couple of weeks. New Orleans' run defense is still just as bad as it was day one. So, yeah, it's, it's a great play with Jones this week. Okay. Who are you paying up for at wide receiver? I bet we got the same guy. Um, probably. Uh, I'm going to go with Julio Jones in the uh, one-sided FanDuel matchup again. No, see, I, don't, uh, I never go those things. You take all those. <laughs> Through six games, New England has allowed 12 wide receivers to top 50 yards against them. Ten different wide receivers have gone over 60 yards against them. Uh, they plan on, again, there's coach speak here that Jones is going to be more heavily involved in the offense going yep. forward. Muhammad Sanu is still probably going to miss this game. Uh, that makes Taylor Gabriel a possible play, too, for a little cheaper price. But Julio Jones uh, is a much a sure thing this week as you're ever going to find. My pay up is Marvin Hall. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Des Bryant. That was a beautiful touchdown. Des Bryant. I'm paying up for Des Bryant. Again, I guess I'm just going to take that Dak Des stack. Not really thrilled with it um, because, again, I'm avoiding the split with Julio Jones. So I, I like the play. I just don't like the fact that he's not available on DraftKings. Um, I, I want to say that you know Antonio Brown's automatic, but, again, that interdivisional game in Cincinnati and Adam Jones, et cetera, it worries me. I think it's just too high a price. So I'm going to pay up for Des. Well, you know what? I think we might actually agree on our stay away, though. I'm going to stay away from A.J. Green at Pittsburgh. Nope. Uh, Pittsburgh has held four different wide receiver groupings to single-digit receptions this year. Uh, overall, for an average this year, they, they're allowing 8.3 catches and 88 yards to entire teams of wide receivers. Not just number one wide receivers. We're talking entire teams of wide receivers. Only three wide receivers have scored a touchdown against them this year. Those numbers don't add up to spending $8,300 for A.J. Green. Okay, hold on. How many catches did you say for team-wide receivers? Eight. And point yard, three. And yards? 88. I will take eight receptions for 88 yards from A.J. Green because he is the team's wide receivers. <laughs> oh, so you're not scared about the influence of uh, Tyler Boyd and no. John Ross and no. Brandon LaFell? And... But no, we have we have different stayaways. Um I'm staying away from Mike Evans. I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. I know that they're going to give coach speak. Yes, he should play. Okay, but if he plays and he gets hurt, and then Fitzpatrick gets to come back and play against his former team and you know throw three picks or something. Buffalo's pass defense has been good. Their defense has been good. They're coming off of a week of rest. Um, I, look, you can't sit Mike Evans in season long, but you don't have to play him in DFS. Good point. Uh, who's your value play this week? My value play is in the same game. Zay Jones. Risky. But well, I was going to say, he's, he's about as cheap as you can find on the list right now. He is, and coaching in um, Tampa Bay is not happy with the rookies' play. Their secondaries, well, their whole defense has had some issues, quite honestly. Um, so I think if you really want to go cheap and you want to try and squeeze some more expensive guys in there, Zay Jones, I think he's a good tournament play, especially. Well, for the second straight week, I'm going to pick on Arizona. Uh, I mentioned last week how well number one wide receivers, uh, I should say non-number one wide receivers, have torched the Cardinals lately. Last week, Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson combined for nine catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown against Arizona. Uh, obviously, uh, Mr. Evans had a pretty good game, too. Most of his came on one catch, though, and that was after Patrick Peterson got hurt. So, again, uh, you take Peterson out of the equation possibly this week, that secondary just gets that much weaker. Robert Woods at Arizona. He's the speed receiver for for St. Louis, for the Los Angeles Rams. He should have no problem getting past that secondary. He will score. He will top 100 yards. And he's about as 
good of a locket you can get for that price. Okay. Who I'm going to let you do your pay up at tight end. Who are you paying up for? We'll go with Jimmy Graham at the Giants. Okay. Uh, for sixth straight game, the Giants have given up at least one tight end touchdown. The new Browns. Jimmy Graham's going to score. Uh, or Luke Wilson might score, too. Who knows? That's true. All right, now I'm going to ask you, who are you avoiding? Uh, we talked a little bit about Tampa Bay going up against uh, Buffalo's defense. I'm going to avoid Cameron Brait. Uh, Buffalo has not allowed a tight end touchdown since week nine of last year. They've allowed only three tight end touchdowns since the start of last year. I want nothing to do with Cameron Brait this week. Okay. And who is your value play? Austin Hooper at the Patriots. Uh, New England has allowed tight end touchdowns in five of six and technically two tight end touchdowns last week, even though the one didn't count. Yeah, really. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you my pay up is at tight end. You ready? Who is it? I'm paying up for Evan Ingram. Why? Because there's nobody else to catch the ball in New York. Now, do you want to know who I'm staying away from? Who are you staying away from? Evan Ingram. Do you want to know why? <laughs> They're facing Seattle? They're facing Seattle, and there's no one else to worry about catching the ball, so Seattle can <laughs> make sure that Evan Ingram doesn't beat them. Do you want to know who my value play is? Um, is it Rhett Ellison? It is Evan Ingram. <laughs> so close. So, yeah, it might seem like a cop-out, and that means I've helped no one. But you have to figure out what side of this you're on, quite honestly. At 4,400, eh, he's kind of not really a value, but he could be. Um, but that's the two ways I look at it is he is the only option. But if you're the only option, does a defense like Seattle take you away? Um, and I just don't like anything at you know, tight end outside of you know, Jimmy Graham, like you said. But no, that's it. I wanted to make my point about Evan Ingram. <laughs> No, nothing wrong with that. Evan Ingram certainly produced pretty well against Denver this past weekend when, for some ungodly reason, oh. Denver didn't just line up Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib opposite Tavares King and Roger Lewis and basically force New York to beat them with their running game. Who knows? <laughs> you know what they honestly probably could have done? They could have probably not even lined them up opposite those wide receivers, put all 11 guys in the box, and still had more success. Yeah, Orleans Darkwa managed to do something that the likes of Ezekiel Elliott couldn't get done against Denver this year. Uh, he ran for over 100 yards against this vaunted Denver defense and basically made a mockery of the league in the process. It behind a line that's, that's, that makes Swiss cheese feel like it's provolone or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. It happens, I guess, but it shouldn't happen in your own house, that's for sure. You know what? Friday was Friday the 13th. This weekend has kind of been a Friday the 13th type of week. That is true. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. That kind of wraps that up. Any any parting thoughts? Well, you know what? Uh, here's to hoping that uh, everyone's injuries heal up nicely for next week because uh, we're getting into the second half of the season, folks. Yep. You need to start. Okay, I'm going to tell you what I did on that note. I went through, and I usually will set lineups in all my leagues for every week just on the off chance that my internet goes out or something happens. You know what I mean? So I've got a lineup that's at least set. And now I start looking and setting playoff lineups and looking at who's got matchups. And I'm going to tell people right now, I know I talk about you don't need quarterbacks, but I'll give you one example that's going to make you go, oh, I should start looking at this. Kirk Cousins 
in the playoffs faces Denver one week. So you have to start looking at matchups like that. Well, and I'm not going to tease anything because we haven't officially booked this yet, but something to think about is that we may be having a uh, talk in a few weeks here on the Blitz podcast about players you should acquire because of their playoff schedule. That sounds like a plan, and it sounds like a teaser, and it sounds like a perfect spot for me to say, folks, I hope you had a good week. Listen to us. I hope you avoided most of those injuries and that you can keep moving on to the playoffs. And if you want to do that, make sure you listen to my man Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can, of course, listen to me. Listen to me. Find me on Twitter at Steve Gallo NFL. And of course, please do us a favor: head over to iTunes, rate us, review us, say something nice, all that good happy jazz. And until next week, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.